Garofano. Can you guys hear me out there? Oh, just Ray. Can anyone else hear me out there? Oh, cool. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, hopefully you all know by now that um, we're currently in election mode. Right? You all know that? Do you, do you know who you're voting for? Ashley does? Cool. Um, to kick things off tonight, we're going to sing our national anthem, which is beautiful. Um, if you guys um, get a chance, go look up online like all the, all the verses, because they're amazing. And it's so cool that we have a, a song to call um, New Zealand's that is this rich and this like, this I think like worshipful to our God. And so um, in the spirit, I suppose, of, of this mode of election and like um, the future of our nation, Let's sing this anthem together and, um, yeah, just declare it for our nation and on, on our behalf, on our family's behalf, on our neighbours. Um, yeah, don't, don't just sing it because you know it. You probably all know it. You probably all know, you, you know. You know? <laughs> don't sing it like that, okay? Like, this is meaningful. And so um, take some time, look at the words, think about it, and pray it as you sing it, all right? Kapai. Kapai, okay. Etu.
sounding beautiful. Isn't it a privilege to sing that national anthem together? No other anthem in the world that I know of that makes such a declaration of a nation to God. Isn't that awesome? And as Aaron has mentioned, we have our elections coming uh, next weekend. And I think it would be good to lift our voices together as one voice and pray for the election process. Pray that God's hand would be upon it all and that the outcome would be for the honor of His name. So can I invite you to join with me and let's lift our voices and pray for the election process and the outcome. So let's pray. Let's lift our voices together. Father, we thank you for, Lord, this wonderful nation of New Zealand. Hallelujah. Begin to raise your voices with mine. Father, we thank you that, Lord, this land is your land. Father, we thank you for the elections that are coming, and we pray that your hand would be upon the outcome, that, Lord, it would be for your glory, it would be for the honor of the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this wonderful land of Aotearoa. We thank you, Lord, for your grace upon it, Father. Father, we pray for holy, righteous government, Lord, to be expressed throughout this country, from the north to the south, from the east to the west, that, Lord, your name would be glorified through it all. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Lord, we give you all the honor. And everyone said, Amen. Praise God. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five and take a seat? Thank you, Aaron and Ben. Great. Well, welcome. You're looking really good. Great to see you. Let's give it up for Kathan this evening. He's helping me. So, way to go. Hey, you guys. So if it's your first or second time at Activate Church and you're a guest, we want to say welcome. Like, it's great to have you here. So at the back there, we've got our guest packs and we'd love to go and connect with you and get to know you more. Yeah, welcome to the family, yeah. Awesome. Great. Who's had a birthday or winning anniversary over the last week? Any birthdays? Jordan. Wow. She got a cake and she got a chocolate heart and all. So can, well, Preston too. 21. 21 times two. Very good. Happy birthday, Jordan. That's great. Well, church, let's jump to our feet and we're going to declare this prayer of blessing. It'll be appearing there any moment. Sweet. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Let's give them a big hand. Congratulations, guys. Very cool. Well, a few highlights to share with you. So if you have your car here, if your valuables left in the front seats or visible, can we encourage you to move them? Sadly, we've had one or two people had their car broken into and valuables stolen. So if that is the case, with your valuables being on view, can we ask you to conceal them just to protect them? So that would be great. You also so um on the 8th of October, we have Pastor Wayne and Ruth Swift from Australia. They're coming to say hi. They've got also Activate Conference Double Portion, which is on the Saturday before that. And there's two sessions for that. Oh, the Sunday? Oh, and there's two sessions for that. 
Very cool. So that's going to be amazing, isn't it? Our own Activate Conference. Yes, yeah, going to be great. Like, wow. love to see um, Pastor Wayne and Ruth because they're, they're actually oversee our church, so it'll be really cool to hang out with them. Fantastic. Awesome. So it's movie time next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. We have Noble Movie, which is a story about a woman, a courageous woman, about how one person can make a huge impact in their world. Yes, sweet. Also, on the 1st of October, we have Activate DNA, and it's a lunch after church. So what it is, is like, you get to go and know about our church, like, what's it about, kind of our history and our connection to the Axe movement. Yeah, if you want to know about Activate Church and our movement, yeah, we'd love for you to come along. You just have to RSVP to the hub. Awesome. And Pastor Sheridan, he's in Christchurch today, having an awesome time. He's got a video clip for us. So thanks very much, Kat. Let's have a look at this. It is coming. Yeah, hi guys. This is Sheridan, all the way from Christchurch. <laughs> I can see hey you. everybody, this weekend I'm in Christchurch with Michael and Gillian Brown at Westside Church. Hi. Hi, great to have Sheridan with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm also with Andre and Hannah at the Rolleston Church. Hope you guys have a great weekend. See you soon. Isn't hey, that so cool? I love the way <laughs> I love the way Pastor Michael Brown says, uh, it's great to have Sheridan here. Thank you. And as I said this morning, it sounds as though he's going to keep him. And, uh, but Jan assures us, thankfully, that he's returning. So we're so pleased about that. So that's so cool. So Sheridan will be having a wonderful time there. But let's give it up for Kevin because he's going to be sharing communion with us. So thank you, buddy. Thank you. Sweet. Awesome. Communion. <laughs> for me personally, I really love this because it's just a special time for us all together as a family to just go and reflect on what Jesus actually did on the cross for us. Like, I reckon it's just a beautiful sacred moment as we just sit here and go remember, hey, He actually loves us. Like, the first thing about communion, which I reckon is special, is that we actually go and sit here, grasp the reality. Hey, he actually did this with the intention of an intimate, personal, and close relationship with us. So he actually did this. He died on the cross. Yes, that happened. Like, we have to grasp that reality. Hey, he's, he died, and then he rose again for you and I. So I reckon it's so amazing. Like, you don't just want a personal relationship for someone that you think's an egg. Like, you actually love them. So I reckon, I want to talk about God's love tonight. I reckon Paul the Apostle, he wrote a really good letter to the church um, in Rome. And it, in Romans chapter 8, 35 to 39, it really goes and shares God's love. I reckon it explains it really well. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
whoa, I'm going to call it now, guys, that's a powerful statement. <laughs> like, if we actually live with this reality, instead of just seeing it as a bit of knowledge, man, this is powerful. This changes lives. That's the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross. It changed everything. Like, what I reckon is so awesome about what Jesus did is that, hey, we can have confidence now. Like that and everything. Hey, He died for us, as in like, He has the victory for us now. So because He loves us, He's always with us. And I reckon what's awesome is in Romans 8.38, as I just said, it also says, neither the present nor the future can stop God's love. So that means your actions, hey, God still loves you. Whatever may happen, whatever your worries may be, hey, God still loves you. He still's got, he still has got you. He still died for you and rose again. Like This is awesome because we now can have this um, revelation that we can walk into anything and go and we just have no fear anymore. We can have confidence that God is with us and it's going to be okay. Like What's so awesome about this is that, like, oh, it's, I don't know if you guys, but for me, it's a bit less scary facing something that's hard, knowing, hey, at least God's here. So what I want to emphasize, I'm not saying that the situation you're in shouldn't be painful. And if you are in a painful situation, I'm not saying that it has to be perfect. And actually, it might be sore. It might suck. Unfortunately, that's life. But the cool thing is, hey, we've got God with us. That He's here. Holy Spirit's called the Comforter. He's here to help us. And the cool thing is, like, with Him with us, you don't have to fear, as I said, guys. Like, and I'm not promising, though, it might not turn out exactly how you want it to. But I'm saying He's here, so that's okay. Like, what's so awesome is, like, I don't know. I noticed in these verses it didn't actually mention the past. Okay? So, like, it's not because Paul forgot it. He didn't just forget to write the past in these verses. He didn't say that God's love um, couldn't be stopped by the past. And the reason why is when Jesus died on the cross, He didn't just die for us. He actually died as us. So say, I've got my Bible here, right? Say if um, Ashley Muller decided he wanted to buy my Bible. So he paid for this Bible. Now, I don't own it, do I? Because he paid the price for it. As in, it's not mine anymore. So basically, that's what God did on the cross for our past. Everything, like even though like more like my phone, yes, this phone's like an iPhone 4S. It's really outdated. It's broken. Like the volume button doesn't work. The speaker, when you put on speaker, you can't hear through the microphone. Like that's pretty broken. No one's going to want to buy it. I don't know about you. For me, that's like my past. <laughs> no one wanted that thing, man. Like pre-Jesus. But God said, I want it anyway. I'll buy it anyway. I'll die for you. I love you that much. I want to be with you. He said I was worthy. That means our past, our present, our future, God's got us. He loves us, guys. That's the main thing. I want to share with you a revelation God gave me, and that is it's no coincidence that we were born for victory. So I say that we're born for victory because, hey, there's something in us that wants to be great. No, no one grows up going, yeah, I want to be on the losing team. I want to support a loser. I want to be a loser. Like, no, that's not us. I want to be awesome. I want to be an all black. I want to be like the prime minister, you know? You want to be something great. That's why I say we're born for victory. But it's no coincidence that God is always undefeated. And that we were born for victory. 
I'd like to suggest to you guys that we were actually born to live with Him and that by accepting Him in our lives, by remembering this, by remembering His love, this is how it was supposed to be. We're supposed to live with Him. So that's it. God loves us. That's the main thing. So as I'm about to pray, guys, I just, I wanna give you a time to reflect. Realizing every situation, God is with you. Sweet. Thank you, Father, for your love. It's so incomprehensible. It just doesn't make sense because it's grace. Thank you for your absolute love for us that you deemed us worthy. I pray now that we just have a deeper revelation of how deep you love us, God. How much you want to be with us how much you wanna just be with us and hang out with us, God, how you're with us and you enjoy it. So Father, I pray that we'll just reflect and have peace. I pray that we'll have confidence that you are there. Thank you, God, for your love.
just be lifted high in my Turn to the person on your right-hand side and to declare those words. In your world, Jesus, be lifted high. Begin to pray for them. Begin to declare Jesus to manifest His presence in and through them. Hallelujah. Let's declare God's goodness to be released through each one of us. Declaring the goodness of God. Hallelujah, Father, we unite our hearts that over each one of us, Lord, you be lifted high. We declare your glory to be manifested, that Jesus, at your name, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we declare your anointing to be released. Jesus, your presence will be manifested in each one of us. In Jesus' name. 
Turn to the person on your left and pray the same for them. Hallelujah. To be lifted high over their lives, that Jesus would be exalted in their life, that the goodness of God would be manifested. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that you've been lifted high in each one of us. We exalt you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. Hallelujah.
Father, we exalt you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. You're worthy of all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you came, that you died and rose again, that we might have life and life to the full. Holy Spirit, thank you that you came as Jesus' representative, that your power lives within each one of us. To you we give all the glory, Father, Son, and Spirit, in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together to give the Lord a great clap of praise. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we worship you. Mighty is your name. that awesome? Do you know, I just imagine in heaven when the band is playing and the saints and the angels are singing, sometimes it's quieter and other times it's like a mighty freight train, just full of the volume of hearts expressing their praise to God. that awesome? So wonderful. Thank you so much, band. Great stuff. You may take a seat. Thanks, Catherine, for your communion message. Fantastic, great stuff. Over the last two weeks, we've been looking at Healthy Me. We've been looking at our body and our soul. And this evening, we conclude with the focus on our spirit. And so it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Hubbard, CEO of ATC. So let's give it up for Chris as he comes and shares with us. Thank you so much, Chris. Am I on? Oh, good. I am. Good. With a start, if the microphone's working and the Holy Spirit's here, that's good. How many people have voted already? Heaps, I have, yeah, great. It's a lot easier now, just wander through them all, vote. It's good, really good. The older I get, the more I realise that um, I don't actually believe in democracy. No one ever changed the world by going with the crowd, did they? Majority's not always right. Majority don't believe in Jesus, but I know that he's right. I believe in a benevolent uh, dictator who is consumed with loving me. Trouble is, in this world, I don't, believe, I don't trust in anyone <laughs> to be in that role. Anyway, that's, the, that's beside the point. About the spirit, right. Who has a spiritual dream or a goal of some sort? Three, four, oh, there's a few more. Good, great, great. Good to know. Might be to be in the ministry. Might be to have some particular spiritual gift operating in your life. It might be just to... Uh, be effective in your workplace. You know, to have the anointing of God on the words that you say and actually see people's lives impacted where you go. Some sort of spiritual goal. I mean, I think we should all have that to some degree, you know. Um, you don't want to all try and be in the ministry because who's going to be out there, you know. Right? doesn't work that way, does it? What's the difference? This is my question. What's the difference between a goal and a dream? What's the difference between a goal and a dream? You ever thought about that? I liken it to, uh, I'm standing on the side of the river and I'm looking across and think, oh man, it's just so nice across there. The grass is greener. I want to be over there. So I sit down, have a picnic, come back the next day. Oh, it looks so nice over there. I want to be over there. This is my dream. Come back the next day. Oh, it's so nice over there. I just, you know, I want to be over there. <laughs> a goal is to come along and say, wow, it looks so nice over there. It's green grass. 
to get over there, I'm going to need a boat. To get a boat, I'm going to need some tools. To get some tools, I'm going to have to get a job. You know what I mean? I, I classify it like that. If you're going to get somewhere, it's either a dream and it's just you're never going to do anything about it. Or you, if it's a goal, you're going to break it down into steps as small as you can handle and say, I'm going to get that little bit there. I'm going to get that little bit there. You know, if you've got a desire to be a preacher one day, are you studying the word and preaching to yourself in your bedroom? I mean, you know, you're making the steps along the way. You're writing some sermons. and You know, whatever you want to do, it's always some step you can make somewhere, isn't there? To get to where you want to go. Now, Maria and Joy, a couple of weeks ago, talked about the body. And uh, they were talking about eating right and exercising right and looking after the bodies and achieving our goals, weren't we? Not dreaming about what you want to change, but hey, what can I do about getting to that goal? What steps do I need to take? Who do I need to help me about that? Donna last week talked about the soul, making space for God, taking time to rest, not overdrawing the, the soul, you know, not, not an overdraft all the time, causing stress all the time. You're living out of lack and trying to minister to people around you, not running on empty. That's a good, good advice. Make it a goal to fill up before you give out. Make sure you're not running on empty all the time. So how do we build our spirit? You know, if, if I ask for a couple of volunteers and say, okay, let's come out and do some spiritual exercises. It's a hard thing to know what to do, isn't it? Let's do some spiritual press-ups and see who wins. Not quite that easy. So let's define who we are. I, I just got a little bit of a theology for a minute. We have three parts, and if you could split me up at the moment without me dying into a body, a soul, and a spirit, I've got three pieces, haven't I? But from my reading of the word, who I really am is the middle piece, the soul. I have a body, and I have a spirit, but I am intrinsically a soul. The soul is my mind, my emotions, my decision-making. It's who I am. I make the call about the other two. I'm in the charge. I'm the boss. Well, I should be. should be. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, you know, that lovely book that everything's vanity and waste of time, you know. In chapter 12 and verse 7, it says, The dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. They're not eternal parts of who we are. You know, this is eventually going to wear out and it's going to get recycled somehow, right? It's just a machine that I happen to be in at the moment. And my Spirit is given to me by God to live here. My spirit leaves, these two split. The other two split. Can't survive without the spirit. The spirit gives me life. Right? Or to give you a New Testament scripture, in case you're just thinking I'm taking some random scripture out of the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For you were bought at a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They don't belong to you as a Christian. So what are you doing with your body and your spirit? How are you treating it? They're not yours. They're on loan. You've already given them, sold them. So we've got to glorify God in our body and our spirit. That's a challenge in itself, isn't it? How are we doing that? All the way through the Bible, from, from the flood onwards, you'll always find when it's talking about someone dying and going on, uh, it's talking about the soul. You'll find um, under the altar in Revelation, you know, you saw the souls of those who had given their life to God for, for the word of God and so on. You, Jesus said, uh, don't fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy your soul in hell. It's always talking about the soul as the piece that's going to do something, it's going to go somewhere. In fact, I'll give you another, I'll give you another example. 
Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been there for hours, right? His last words. You remember what his last words were before he died? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But the finish was very close to that. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He gave his spirit back to the Father. He had that authority to do that. As soon as his spirit left, soul and body parted. Body was dead. Right? So straight after he had given his spirit back to the Father, his body is hanging on the cross, right? His spirit's gone back to the Father. Which part went down and suffered for us? And yet we say Jesus went and suffered for us. And it says in the Psalms, I won't suffer your soul to stay in Hades. Your soul. So it's interesting to know how these three pieces work. And I think it's important to understand how they interact and how God had designed them to interact actually was help us to grow spiritually. The body is a very interesting thing, isn't it? It's an amazing little machine, but it's just a machine. You've got five electrical systems that feed back input to a central processing unit up here. They all send back signals. We call them the five senses, sight, smell, taste, hearing, touch. But they all work down little wires sending electrical signals. We call them biological wires, which is nerves, we call them. But they're actually just electrical signals. If you turn all those signals off one by one, if you could temporarily do that, you would have absolutely no connection to this world, absolutely no idea what's happening here. You wouldn't know whether you're... You know, awake, asleep, uh, alive, or dead, or you probably would be dead, you'd know about it. Um, but you wouldn't know if you were hot or cold, standing up, sitting down. I mean, you had no idea whether you were in pain or not. It, it is irrelevant. You're all relying on these five electrical systems to give you input to know what's happening here. It's just a machine to contact this realm. Trouble is, we've been in this body all that we know, time-wise, and so we consider it very much us, don't we? But it's an interesting thought. The thing about the body, though, is it's supposed to be our servant. But sometimes it becomes our master. God wakes you up in the middle of the night and says, Hey, come and pray. You know, I just want to spend some time with you. What's the first thing we do? We turn to the body and say, Hey, body, what do you reckon? Should we get up? Oh, no, I'm tired. I think we should go back to sleep. Oh, sorry, Father. I asked body and he said, No, we're supposed to go back to sleep. Is he the servant or the master? Should go and get Subway. No, I want that double meat burger from KFC and get the extra large fries and Coke. Who's the master? The spirit. I'll leave that one there. Alone. The spirit. This should be where I am. The Spirit gives us revelation and inspiration and compassion and the love of God and the connection to the spiritual realm, doesn't it? In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Good challenging thought. So you've got a choice all the time. You know, my soul in the middle, I've got a choice. Am I going to sow to this one or am I going to sow to this one? Am I going to feed this one, listen to this one, or am I going to feed this one, listen to this one? We've got that constant thing all the time. You know, in a sense, we've all got multiple personalities. Because they've got these two voices going on. We all know it. We all sort of sway between the two to some degree. You know? The, thing, the uh, interesting thing I, I think that we need to understand, of course, is everything I do over here in the flesh doesn't actually grow me over here in the spirit. Now, that seems obvious, but sometimes we miss the point. You know, I go and fast. 
That doesn't grow my spirit. Not just going without food doesn't grow my spirit. I might pray in the middle of that, which is beneficial. But just going without food, that just subdues my body, gets it into the right framework. It just tells it that it's the servant, right? I'm going to do a whole lot of good works, but that doesn't mean my spirit is going to grow. I'm going to do a whole lot of things, be fit and healthy and, and, and all that sort of thing. doesn't mean I'm not corrupting my spirit. So the, anything I do over here doesn't change anything over here. If I'm going to change something here, then I have to use the resources of this realm to affect this one. If I want to decide to eat healthy, I have to use the food that's in this realm, in the physical realm, to feed this physical body. Or do exercise in this realm to make my body more fit. If I'm going to do something in the spirit to grow my spirit, I've got to find spiritual resources. Right? I can't use my mind, I can't use my body, I've got to find spiritual resources to make this grow. And yet sometimes we get a little confused with that. There's three powers, if you like. In this physical world, I've got muscles. I can move the pulpit around. I can grab the chair. I can do what I want to with my physical body. In my soul, the power is willpower, right? It's the decider. It's the one who decides, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It has a certain amount of power, but it can't go very far. But that's the soul's power, willpower. And here I've got spiritual power, which is the one we want to tap into. And... Um, Sorry, I was just laughing because I almost, almost thought the original week was, was, um, was the body wars and then we had the, the, the soul strikes back and now all collectively you're going to, you know, the return of the Jedi and get into the force and, you know, move spiritually. <clears throat> so it's an interesting thought, isn't it? But I want to give you a couple of clues out of the parable of the sower about how we can work in the Spirit a little bit more, how we can grow the Spirit a little bit more. So Mark chapter 4, I'm going to focus on this for the rest of what I want to say, and talk about different grounds and how this works to give you some keys. So Mark chapter 4. In Mark, uh, I'm not going to read out the actual parable itself, I'm going to read out the explanation of the parable for obvious reasons, when Jesus tells his disciples what it means. So in verse 13, it says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Isn't that interesting? He's saying there's something fundamental here, some keys that if you get this, you can un unlock a whole lot of other scriptures as well. There's some principles here you need to grasp. So what does he say? In the next verse, verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. Two points here, two points. First of all, he's sowing seed. Now, that, might, that might seem obvious, but... He's not growing out, going out and transplanting trees ready to go. He's planting potential, right? How many people have planted a seed in their life, physical seed of some sort? Most of us, right? How many of you have gone out the next day and tried to pick some fruit? Good on you. The peas? <laughs> Right, and as adults, we sort of understand that, hey, this seed's going to take a while to grow. But often in the spiritual realm, we think that it to work straight away. Oh, I just claimed that scripture right now. I just found it and claimed it. Well, no, actually, that was just a seed. You've got to live a lot more in that. You've got to feed a lot more on that. You've got to grow a lot more in that before it's going to actually produce anything for you, before it's got some fruit to harvest. So the seed is a, an essential part of understanding how all this works. It's the, it's the start, the hope. There's no initial return in a sense there. It's the sowing, the growing, the reaping that has to happen. 
The second one, the sower sows the word, is the fact that the word is the power, not us. Not us. The word is the power. So where and how is it sown? Well, in Mark Mark 4, sorry, in verse 15, and it says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, and when they hear, I'll come back to that, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. It was not sown in their mind. It was not sown in their soul. It was not sown in their body. It was sown in their spirit. Right? Their spiritual seed that comes from the word of God, comes from God, is trying to be sown into the heart, but these particular, this particular ground is hardened. The seed comes in. They hear when they hear the word. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing, right? Understanding, comprehending, if you like. So what they do is they get that revelation. They get that suddenly, oh, I see. I, I, I can be saved by the name of Jesus. But because of their hardened heart and because the devil will rush in and say, hey, don't believe that rubbish. Oh, no, it's a low, you know, don't go down that track. They're all a bunch of wallies, you know. You remember Joe, he went that way and he was a hypocrite and, you know, he wants to snap that seed out of there as quickly as possible before it has a chance to grow into the ground. And because the ground is already hardened, he manages to do it. But it's sown in the heart. And in a sense, if you like, the word of God is, when it comes, it's not the letters that we read. In those letters, there are packets of revelation. Little packets of revelation. That's the seeds. You know, when a seed has all the DNA in it, in the natural world, the Word of God has this packet of revelation that comes in and we go, oh, flip, never seen that before. That's a seed going into your heart. It's a seed going in. We might understand something in our mind, but all of a sudden it goes clonk down here and think, I've got it now. You know, it's gone in. Right? So the seeds are going in. Set of information going into our hearts and our spirit. Where does the fruit come from? Fruit comes from the Word. There's a number of times in the book of Acts that says the Word multiplied and grew. That was all the disciples getting saved, you know. The Word multiplied and grew. It says that a few times. Interesting thought. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 to 8 spills that out quite clearly. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Sorry, girls, that includes you as well. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. I'm here in the middle of my soul. I can sow to my flesh or I can sow to my spirit. My choice, always my choice. I'm the decider in the middle here. Am I going to reap corruption? Am I going to reap spiritual life? That's the choice we have all the time. We reap what we plant Unfortunately, sometimes we were reaping what we planted last week, last month, last year, five years ago, ten years ago. We've got a crop going on. Sometimes a crop we don't even want, didn't even tend to have a crop. Because it doesn't just plant the Word of God. It grows whatever you plant in it. It's ground. Right? We'll get to that later. I, uh, I remember a, a, a guy, when, back when we were pastoring, a guy came into our church. He would have been, oh, I think, in his early 30s. I'm trying to remember his name, actually, to be honest. Um, but he came in and he said, oh, look, I, I used to go to church years ago, but I haven't been for a long time. But he said, I've come back now because I'm going to the doctor at the moment. I've got cancer in my intestines and in my 
in my, um, down here. And he said, some of the cancers are quite big. The biggest one's about the size of an orange. And I said, oh, yeah, I really need healing. I really need God to work on my behalf. You know, the, the, the medication might work, but I really trying to trust in God. So we prayed with him and shared some scriptures and, and, you know, and told him how he could exercise his faith and receive healing and so forth. Came back after about a month and he said, oh, the, all the cancers are reducing in size. And I said, that's great. Okay, so we went back in the scriptures and we, and we kept praying and believing with him and so on. And after a few months, he came back and said, I've been given a complete clearance. That was brilliant, you know. You know what happened next? Didn't see him anymore. Never saw him again, ever. He just came into church to get healed. See, we often get caught up in the fact that, you know, so-and-so was a lovely person. Why did they get sick? This world doesn't run on deserved to or not. This runs on the fact that we've got promises we can claim. Not run on whether you're a good person or not. It runs on whether if you want to grasp it, it's here. I don't know what happened to that guy. I would have loved to have seen him again, but, you know, didn't have Facebook in those sort of days and <laughs> all the ways we can catch people these days. But interesting, isn't it? Luke chapter 17 and verse 6 says, So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Isn't that great? But sometimes I think we need to take out the flavor, take out the condiment, take out the mustard, if you like, and say, If you have faith as a seed, if you understand that it's a seed, you're starting with something here, then you'll be able to do great things for God to glorify Him. See, faith grows in the Spirit by planting the Word of God, but the Word does the work, doesn't it? Faith's not of the mind, and I think this is somewhere we can easily get caught up with. It's not of the soul. It's of the Spirit. So it's not here, it's over here. Right? Our mind is the switch. Our mind is the gateway. Our mind has to come, it has to come through the mind to get to the Spirit, but in the sense of putting seeds in there. But the Spirit is the thing that produces the fruit. And the word is the thing that is the seed. Let me give you an, a, a, an idea of what I think is a common trap in getting caught up in our mind. How many people have prayed for people and it doesn't seem to have happened? At some point. Prayed for people as well and it happened, but sometimes it hasn't happened, right? Yeah, we all have. Well, if you've got into praying people, you've, you've come across that one for sure. Sometimes, sometimes, and I'm not saying this is always the case because it's a complicated situation when you're praying for other people, but sometimes it's because we have so believed in our mind but we haven't got our spirit into operation. What I mean by that is, you know, if I come home at night and I put my keys on the kitchen table and then the next morning when I get up and go to work, I come out and I 100% believe those keys are there on that table and it's going to grab those and go to work. I come out in the kitchen and they're not there. And I go, what? Stunned. I absolutely believed the keys were there. That 100% believing in my soul, in my mind, had absolutely no power to change the situation. No power. How many times a day do we all absolutely believe something in our minds when we're going about our daily activities? It doesn't have any power to change things. Imagine if it did, you know? Your boss comes to you and said, I'm sorry, but you're fired. Oh, I didn't believe that could happen. Oh, sorry, you're not fired. It would change everything, wouldn't it? It'd be a bit weird. But it's in the spirit that it happens. It's in the power, it's in the spirit and planting the word and getting a harvest from there. Not in convincing ourselves here, this has just willpower. 
it's all it has. A couple of months ago, I uh, was playing with one of my grandsons, and I had him in a little bag, and I was bending over, and I was swinging him around and throwing him up in the, in the air and catching him again, leaning out like this, you know. And when you throw some of these kids up, and they're sort of getting older and heavier, and you catch them about three times their weight when you catch them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not really realizing. I forget how old I am these days. But one of the times I, I did this, I got this horrendous ripping feeling in my lower back, followed immediately by this feeling like bones grinding. And I thought, I mean, I've pulled my back before, you know, in the past, but this was another level. And so he was only a couple of inches off the ground, so I just put him down straight away, and I thought, okay. First thing that went through my mind, first thing that went through my mind, you idiot. No, <laughs> it was, it was actually the first thing. <clears throat> but I was, st I was standing there, and I thought, okay, I've got to do something now. So I just, I just stepped back to the chair behind me and got down. But you know, the very next thing after, you idiot, was 1 Peter 2, 24, you know, I, by whose stripes he had been healed. Mark, uh, Matthew 8, 17, you know, he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. You know, going through the scriptures, because I planted these words over years. I had some trees grow, and I had some fruit that I could pick, you know. It wasn't that I was anyone special, but I'd just planted the word. And so I went over those things for about five minutes, and, and who knows when something happens to your back. It's not sitting down that's the problem. <laughs> It's getting up that's the problem. And there's a point where you believe that you're healed in the name of Jesus, that you've got to actually act on it, right? So after about five minutes of the right, got to get up. Up I get. Great, no pain. I got up and stood. It took me about another 30 seconds to get straight again. Back locks up in those sort of situations, doesn't it? And that was great. I just praised God. You know, over that next week, they had three or four little twinges as I twisted funny a couple of times, but, you know, Slept fine, got up fine. Uh, so if I was sitting too long and it was a little bit just straightened up, but after a week, absolutely 100%. And I thought, thank God that he overcomes my stupidity, that he's bigger than me. You know? But it's planting the word, isn't it? Planting the word that helps us through those situations. Nothing to do with me as such. We're all farmers, you know. We're not the seed, we're the farmer. We're out there deciding, what am I going to plant? You ever thought about the fact that if you don't plant anything, what you get? Seen gardens that don't, you, you don't plant anything? <laughs> Bunch of weeds? Nothing to harvest? Anyway, we're a farmer out there wanting to plant seed, and our ground is the spirit. We can make the choice of what we put in there. And in a sense, our body is the tractor. It's the thing that physically sees the word. It's the thing that physically says the word out. It's the thing that physically acts on the word or, you know, uh, does all the things that we want it to do. It's the machine that helps us produce what we want to produce. So we're farmers deciding what we sow. And what we sow will decide what we're going to reap in the future. So when we're talking about growing in the spirit, we use the physical or the spiritual resources, which is the Word of God and the Spirit of God, to affect the Spirit to grow that. Right? What we've got to do is get out of the soul and get into the Spirit. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, just a little bit after the parable of the sower, it says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by day, sleep by night, sorry, sleep by day, that doesn't sound good, sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. It doesn't matter if we understand it. 
the farmer doesn't understand the biological how the seed works. He just knows you plant the seed, it works. Same with the spirit. That's God's business. His kingdom come, his realm come, his spiritual realm come, his will will be done then. He wants his will to be done. He wants his will to be done. That's the most important thing he asks us to pray about, by the way. So what else are we planting? That's a good question, isn't it? Your spirit will grow whatever you plant, good and bad. What have we planted? What are we feeding into our spirits? What are we watching? What are we saying? What are we believing? That never works for me. Oh, let's plant that seed. It won't happen for me this time. Let's plant that seed. That's really going to help the word. <laughs> it's going to contradict it, isn't it? So there's four types of ground. Four types of ground in the parable of the sower. The first one is that hardened ground. If you're a Christian, you're not that one because you've received the word and you've, you've come on board, right? So you're not the first one. The second one is the rocky ground. That's one where it doesn't get a lot of, lot of root in the ground because there's a whole lot of rocks there. And so when trouble comes, persecution comes, you think, ah, oh, no, I'm, I'm done with that Christian stuff. And you walk away. Now, if you've been a Christian for a few years, you're unlikely to be that sort of ground, right? So you're probably going to be one of the last two types of ground. Now, the last type of ground produces good ground. It produces 30, 60, 100-fold return. Great, brilliant. Really want to be that sort of ground. But there's a third type of ground that is an interesting one. And it's found in Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns and the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I always find this challenging. I think, God, what am I taking on? Am I taking on the cares of this world? Are the worries and the pressures of this world entering in? They come against your mind, but am I letting them through into my spirit to be planted? Are they going to choke the word? Because the result here is this person does not turn away from Christ. They stay as a Christian. They choke the word. It doesn't kill it. Right? You still come to church. You just don't see the power of God working. You don't see the fruit of God in your life. You're not evangelizing. You know, you, the word's choked. It's alive, but it's got no fruit. You're surviving as a Christian, but it's not really a, an overcoming place. It's not really where you want to be. And I think it's a good challenge to say, well, let's not water those weeds anymore. Let's them dry up and die. Let's not say those things that are anti the word of God, anti in the sense of contrary to the word of God. Let's go back to the promises that are in there and say, no, this is what the Word says. I know I'm thinking the other thing, and I'm thinking about the cares, but I'm going to say what the Word says. I'm just going to not let that other thing go in. I'm not going to water that weed anymore. I'm not going to water that thorn anymore. I'm going to let that dry off, and I'm going to water the garden of the Word of God. Entering in. What are we planting? What are we doing? Are we just surviving? Or we want to see the power of God work in our lives. It's the Word of God that will do it. It's the Word of God that will give you the miracles. The Word of God will, will change your life. Faith comes by hearing it, understanding that in the Spirit, we're supposed to minister by the measure of faith that we have. Not by the measure of understanding, but by the spiritual power. Everyone who speaks should speak as of the oracles of God. This is all by the Spirit, not by our ability. We've got to sow those seeds. We've got to grow in that spiritual way, don't we? So here's my challenge for you to finish off. 
what are you doing with the dream or the goal that you've got? I started off talking about the spiritual one, but you may have goals somewhere else, in your soul, in your mind, in your, in your body. What are you doing about that? What are you going to make a choice tonight in the sense of going forward, breaking that down, say, what's my first step? What's my first step? Is it just changing the language? Is it changing what I watch? Is it grabbing onto the, the promises? I mean, what's it going to be your first step to say, I'm going to get across that river to get to that goal? What am I going to do? Can I just pray with you, with you, you know, all together at the moment? We just want to close your eyes and let's just think about what we're doing, each one of us, for a moment. And I'll just pray for everyone here for, for going forward in that. Father, I thank you that you have given us your spirit. I thank you that you have given us your word. I thank you you've given us your name that is above every name. Father, I thank you that you've given us your son to die for us, that we might not have sin anymore, that we might have an opportunity to enter into the fullness of what you have for us. I thank you that you've seated us in heavenly places. I thank you that you've made us victorious, that you've called us kings and priests, Lord. I thank you that all things are possible to them who believe. I thank you that you've made us overcomers in you. I thank you, Father, that you've given us a spirit of revelation, as it talks about in Ephesians. I thank you for revealing your truth to everyone here tonight. Every step that they want to take, Father, I thank you for strengthening that. I thank you for helping them. I thank you for showing and revealing to them where the weeds have got in. I thank you for revealing to them what promises, Father, they should be hanging on to. I thank you for making everyone a success. I thank you for every dream coming to pass and every seed being sown and watered and growing and, and fruit coming from it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Fantastic. Chris, yeah. Wonderful word. Thank you so much, Chris. That's great. I love uh, your depth of faith, Chris, and, and your trust in the Word of God. I know you've got many stories of how God has worked in your life through that. I uh, recall hearing or reading a story of Pastor Bill Johnson with Pastor Randy Clark, and uh, both of these ministers have amazing testimonies in God. And uh, this is not quite how the story went, but you'll get the gist of it. Uh, for example, let's say Pastor Bill Johnson prays for people with diabetes, and it seems to be that every person he prays for diabetes gets totally healed. He has this grace upon his life. And uh, Randy Clark would pray, pray for people with broken bones, and they would have amazing recoveries. And the funny thing was when Pastor Randy Clark would pray for people with diabetes, just nothing seemed to happen. And likewise, when Pastor Bill would pray for people with bone injuries, not much seemed to happen for them for, in that case either. So they decided to pray for one another. So Randy prayed for Bill in the area of bone recovery, and Bill prayed for Randy in the regards to healing in the area of diabetes. And after Bill had prayed for Randy, what he noticed, all of a sudden, he was seeing healing flow in this area of diabetes where he'd never seen it before. There was an impartation of something of God into his spirit that wasn't there before that now he could minister out of. Isn't that awesome? And so there is this transfer, this transfer of the spiritual things of God that we can impart. Paul talks about an impartation that we then carry something that we didn't carry before. And I think this evening would be great to have a time of impartation.
for some spiritual fruit and giftedness to be in our lives. And so, who would like to receive some fresh spiritual impartation this evening? If that's you, why don't you come down to the front and go, yeah, I want to be imparted afresh. We've got to just come down to the front. And I'm going to ask Chris to come. Chris, would you like to stand here, please? Chris has an amazing gift of faith to impart. And I'm going to ask Chris to begin to pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Trevor, if you'd like to come down, Pastor Trevor. Pastor Trevor has a gift of wisdom. He has a gift of apostleship. He has a gift to impart a breakthrough mantle into people's lives. So I'm going to ask Pastor Trevor to come down the front. I'm going to ask Pastor Jan to come down the front. Jan has a wonderful prophetic ministry, able to hear from the Spirit of God and pray for the insights of God to be revealed. And so if you want a fresh impartation of faith and healing gifts, let Chris pray for you. If you want to see breakthrough and wisdom and territory claim for God, let Pastor Trevor pray and impart to you. If you want to see prophetic breakthrough and insight, let Pastor Jan pray for you. And if you have something else, I'm going to pray for you. Okay? So guys, come up and begin to be prayed for. Don't hold back and let's pray. So maybe Chris, if you could move over a little bit further. So Chris is for faith and healing. Pastor Trevor is for breakthrough. Pastor Jan is for the prophetic.
as we continue to pray for people. Thank you so much for coming this evening. We pray God's blessing upon you. We thank you for your generosity. And we encourage you to be purposed in your giving. If you'd like prayer, feel free to come. But we'll close the meeting now and pray God's blessing over you. Have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you next weekend. God bless.